Hello, this is Black Country Blokes Tune the Fat. Listen, listen, listen. I've been hearing a lot lately about men don't talk. But in my experience, men do talk, just people aren't listening. So it's going to be me and a group of blokes discussing our struggles and victories through life. Warning, there may be some bad language, so apologies to all the moms, especially my own. Let's get going. Listen, listen, listen. Abin, yeah. This is the Black Country Blokes with me, Kev Dillon, Lee Cabin, and Craig Pinches. Now, just before I go into advertising our special guests, I just want to give a massive RIP to Sir Captain Tom, one absolute legend. But now, over to the show. And we've got uh, Alice and Lucas, who are from an organisation called Ripple. Now, Ripple, I'll get the guys to explain what it is, but it's all about trying to prevent suicide. Because believe it or not, as sick as this may sound, there's sites where you can go and find out how to complete suicide. So the guys are doing their bit to hopefully stop people from doing it. So there's some interesting stats yesterday. Out of five people, four people in this country have now got some form of mental health. Uh, for every one person that dies through knife crime, which is one too many, four other people, four males, are completing suicide. And that's outrageous stats. So if we can do something to stop our loved ones from doing it, something's better than nothing. So Alice, thank you, and Lucas for both coming on. Would you like to explain something about your organisation, please? Thanks, Kev. Yeah, and thanks very much for, for having us on tonight. Um, so... Ripple has been produced really actually from a, uh, from quite tragic circumstances um, relating to uh, myself and my family. So um, just over nine, nine weeks ago, um, my only sibling, my brother Josh, um, unfortunately took his own life um, on the 25th of, of November uh, of last year. Um, and obviously, as you can imagine, that that's still very raw for us at, at the moment as family um, and as friends. Lucas, it was uh, was one of, of Josh's friends as, as well as mine as well. So he's helping me out with this. But um, I just found myself really wanting to have a look and see what what was going through um, Josh's head. How could I try and understand what 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 really made him choose to do that? Um, and part of that actually was some of his Internet search history. Um, so he was, you know, Googling, searching, um, you know, terms relating really to, to self-harm and suicide. And I wanted to experience that myself and actually have a look and see what comes up. Um, and to be honest, I was quite horrified, actually, at the lack of support that was available for people once they conduct searches of that nature. Um, at the moment, it's, it's just a Samaritan's helpline number. It's black and white. You can just scroll past it. Um, it doesn't really entice users who are in mental health crisis to actually seek that, that mental health support that they clearly need. And so I, I sat there and I thought more needs to be done. There needs to be more of an interception between a user carrying out a search of that nature and then actually seeing the subsequent results um, you know, as a result of that search. And that really where, where is where the idea of, of Ripple has, has been born. Um, we've called it Ripple because on average, 147 people are actually impacted every time somebody takes their own life. So it's not just, you know, your, your, your close family, it's also your friends, your colleagues and your wider community. 
Um, and I know certainly in, in, in my village where, where I'm from at the moment, you can probably tell from my accent that I'm not from uh, from near you. Um, but they've been great. You know, the community has been great and they've really come together and they're, they're helping me make this happen. So um, so that really is, is what Ripple is all about. It's providing an interception um, and it's providing a range of different mental health options for people to, to seek help from, really. Well, you're right, because you hear so many stories that people on a bridge or they're just about to do it. And then something changes, like someone goes, how are you? And that simple bit of care can point someone in the opposite direction. I think that's what you're trying to do, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as I said, at the moment, it's uh, in the UK, it's just a Samaritan's helpline number that comes up. And I just feel at the moment, you know, my brother was 21. He was in really the most common category, being a male and his age. Um, in terms of, unfortunately, the, the kind of most common category of people taking their own lives. And a lot of people don't want to talk on a helpline. You know, they, they don't feel comfortable doing that. Why isn't there options to have text support, web chat support, to download an app or to have a look at some of the resources that are available online from really wonderful mental health charities? And they're not being promoted um, and so it's these charities like Calm and Grassroots and Young Minds uh, and Jacob's One Million Lives tool, which are all going to be featuring on my Ripple um, intervention tool and, you know, encouraging people really to seek a, a range of different mental health options. If the helpline doesn't work for them, there's so much other things that, and you know, and forms of support that they can actually access that are readily available for them now. Papyrus does a lot of that as well. If you want to get in touch with Papyrus, they're um, I think up to 35 years of age, and they, they've they are. got apps. They've got apps and emails because, as you said, we had the Samaritans on the show as well. And I've mm. <clears throat> pardon, I thought it was just phone numbers, but I think they are trying to move with the times. But a lot of all of these companies are charity-run volunteers, and I think we need something better. And I, as I keep saying, and I know it's funding. But, like, you, you're looking for the Samaritans number. Why is the Samaritans papyrus calm? Why aren't those adverts on the TV exactly. all the time? And why aren't the numbers, instead of 01242, just 991 or 221, just something so easy? Because when we had um, the Samaritans on Ash, he said, I don't want to misquote, but he said something like 70% of the callers weren't suicidal. They were just a breaking point, and they just needed someone to talk to. My wife used to work on 999 calls uh, for gamblers. And just how many people are suffering with mental health. But unfortunately, in this country, we're not seeing mental health the same as physical health. And I think we've got to start treating them the same. Could we, um, if you don't mind me stepping in there, could it be, and I always like to just discuss any angle to it, could it be the fact that they're not so openly on the TV and that this or any other, because they would no doubt fail to meet the demand in regards to manpower to deal with such an influx of, of um, callings? Because no doubt, you know, we spoke to someone from the Samaritans and, you know, we, it's just on the increase, people that like need help and people that want help. And then they've got to determine who who's only a bit down because the cat's gone missing and who's this out the other. But they have to be there, like, without judgment, just in case. So would it be that they struggling, they would struggle with the influx if it was so? openly um out there but i think if it I was think, out them sorry you go 
sorry. Sorry, Kev. I, I think I think that's a really good point, and I think you know capacity to deal with potentially a quite a vast increase in a volume is is really important, and that's something definitely which. Um, I've certainly considered on the Ripple tool itself. Um, you know, it's all very well promoting these other other charities, but if somebody is actually utilising that and reaching out for help, and then that charity doesn't have the um, necessary uh, staffing and manpower to actually deal with that uplift, then you know, actually potentially there's there's more harm being done than good there. So I think that's that's really important. I think the other thing that I've learnt. Um, in the short amount of time that I've been, you know, unfortunately thrown into this this kind of topic, um, is that the language and the way in which it's presented is really crucial because in some instances it can even encourage people to to actually have those suicidal thoughts. So there's a really fine line between, you know, providing that that help and support and, and offer of assistance and actually potentially encouraging somebody to think about it in, in the first place. So I think that potentially might have something to do with the, the advert piece also. Look, we, we're always banging on about, we want this mental health awareness uh, in schools, even from primary school, like my daughter's five. So I'm constantly teaching about empathy. I'm talking about feelings, why are you angry, why are you frustrated, why are you sad? And a lot, I think when we're trying to educate people at the age of 25, that guy's had 25 years of being messed up. You know, he, he's learned how to throw his hands. He's learned how to be a hobbit. He's learned how to be an alcoholic. He's learned how to be a drug addict. But if we can get him young, going, Kev, why do you keep hitting Lee? Lee, why do you keep making jokes? And get the kids talking about their feelings and make it aware that it's okay to be like that and try and get them at grassroots instead of oak trees. Because it's already yeah. it's already of the understanding by the time you're, like you say, mid-20s, late-teens, the... the ego or the facade or whatever it is you want to call it has already been toughened to the fact that if you cry in public you may this if you if you whinge about this you may that you may complain that man up get on with it you know even for the females as well it's like oh they complains and this and all that and i think by the time you get to your late teens your mid-20s and then it just keeps going on from there like you say it's already it's already the norm not to express them feelings and I think, I mean, obviously, when you think about it sort of from like a psychological standpoint, those sort of reinforced messages get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And I think, obviously, if you can stop those sort of uh, negative preconceptions, I think that's going to be such a huge, have such a huge impact. And I think, in the, I mean, even in the last sort of maybe five, well, five to ten years in this country, we've, we've made outstanding leaps and bounds. I mean, obviously, um you think about what it was like sort of five, ten years ago. This wasn't even on the radar. And, and now people are much more open to it. And I think, like you said, guys, getting back into the schools is going to start that um, start that sort of thing in their mind to say, this is okay, this is okay to do this. Because obviously we're all of a certain age and we may have been brought up slightly differently. And I think trying to have those open conversations can will have such a huge impact on the generations that come after us. Um, so yeah, I think obviously, I think getting into schools and making this conversation a, a sort of key topic is going to be absolutely vital. Um, for, for kids I think nowadays. social social media, I think, ties into that hugely mm. as well. You know, and the impact well, of social media. There's, there's Sorry, been something I read today. Not going on a bit, but I think uh, Zuckerberg's having to have to anything inciting any hate and. Or anything like that that cause cause distress. I think them having to have to. 
I think they're under the cosh now to deal with that and prevent it and have algorithms so as anything's picked up straight away so as it causes less harm. And I think getting into the schools and that, like you say, it, it never was when we in the 90s when we was at school, when we was at primary school. But just like anything, as as people evolve, as humanity evolves, you have to you have to address. It's not like, oh, we've evolved so far now. The education's why it's easy to be like that for the next 10,000 years. You have to say, well, ours people's mentality or spirituality or emotional state evolved. And how can we address that? It's like with the curriculum, they all say it's outdated. And that's the exact same. This is like your mental health curriculum. It's outdated. We need to intercept when they're younger. Um, I do want to ask a question, actually. Obviously, you won't be able to answer this factually, but is it of your understanding that if people are searching these terms, that they're still in the decision stage? They're, they're, they're still yet undecided and then looking for convincing either or? Either, either way? Um, it's a good question. And um, and look, you know, I, I don't know the, the kind of ins and outs, um, you know, in, in regards to the reasoning behind. I think I think it's a bit of a two, two-pronged approach. So you've got the people that are potentially looking for almost justification into whether they're making the right decision, um, of which, unfortunately, there are some horrific websites available online that actually, you know, actively encourage that that action um and i think you also have the aspect here of techniques ways to go about it um which unfortunately is is what my brother was doing um you know and there wasn't enough of an interception when he was conducting searches like that to actually say you know stop there's lots of, of resources available for you here um, you know, that isn't just a Samaritan's helpline number. And look, I'm not downplaying the, the, the fantastic work that Samaritans do because they're, they're wonderful. And, you know, the helpline number is there. But I can't help feeling it's a bit of a tick box exercise from the tech giants, the search engines, the social media platforms, just to say, look, you know, we've, we've got this helpline number on here. Um, it just isn't enough anymore. Um, so for people looking for justification, for people looking for ways and means and techniques, and actually their questions relating to, to you know, how that works, um, I think is really the, the kind of two main reasons why people go on and do it. I think it's, um, I think it's, and I don't want to sound disrespectful here, but I think it's kind of like you said, it's like a lazy default. Oh, here's your option. It's a one size fits all. And that's right. what surprises yeah. me is the fact that, Tech giants, you know, they, they spend billions upon trillions on how to advance a smartphone to make your life easier. But they don't spend billions and trillions on how to advance your mind frame to make your life easier. And I think this is the this is the dilemma we're in. We're, we're rich in, in all the sources that add value to our life to a certain degree. Yes, but without life, what is there to add value to? And I was told just yes, uh, just today, actually, just before I came on here, that I know someone that searched the exact same sites and they said there's way that there's, they're going too far into it. There's people telling you what's best technique, what's best way of doing it for the most impact and things like this. And you think, like, wow, there's more on how to see through than there is on reasons as to why you probably yeah. shouldn't. And it you're right. You're right. And, you know, what, why are those websites coming so high up in the pecking order when you actually carry out a, a Google search? 
or you know I don't, I don't understand that it, it should be you know if this tool it you know isn't implemented and obviously it will take a little bit of time for that to happen hopefully but in the meantime you know why aren't the nhs results or charity partner uh, results bumped right up to the top of the search results why have we got websites you know a- actively encouraging people to to do something like this um you know not just because of this because of themselves but the absolute chaos and devastation that this causes you know i've i'm living right now that's, that's what easy to say, do as well isn't it yeah, that, yeah that's something really really easy to do you know, you know there's, there's no excuse not to do it i know they i know it costs sometimes it costs money to actually do that which again i, I feel is completely wrong yeah. um so it, it's a it's a flawed system um and yeah i'm i'm hoping some amazing people that I've met over the last few weeks that I can really make this happen and try and try and get get a change there for that. Well, Alice, because I because like we, we talk about these websites, and I want to remind everyone out there if you are having these thoughts, you know, pick up a phone call, be it to a Samaritans or to a friend, or even if you have to just email the Black Country blogs, because no matter how rough it is, your life is worth saving. And I just want to say, like, because when I talked to Alice the other day. On the phone, she said, "There's no morning like suicide morning, because you haven't got anyone to blame. You haven't got the person who runs you over. You haven't got the disease to blame it on. So, could you just tell us about your experience of of the morning, please?" Yeah, Kev, I can. Um, and look, this is something that's that I'm I'm still very much in at the moment. Um, you know, lo- lots of us have lost somebody, you know, a grandparent to, or um, to, to old age or to, a, unfortunately, a, a common disease like cancer or even COVID now, unfortunately. Um, and I wouldn't say it's, you know, it's normal and or I'm downplaying that in any way, because obviously it's, you know, devastating at the time for, for the family and the friends involved. But to lose somebody to, to suicide... Um, in my experience, really just is like no other. Um, Because somebody has chosen to do this. It was a choice. It wasn't something from, you know, natural causes. Um, And you also don't have any answers. You don't have any answers as to why. Uh, Whereas, you know, you would do if if somebody, you know, died from from COVID. We take Sir Tom um, as an example today. You know, we know the reasoning behind why, unfortunately, he passed away. But when somebody chooses to take their own life, you, you don't have that. And it's the whole aspect of the unanswered questions and trying to, to piece bits of the jigsaw together to try to make sense of what's happened and why it's happened. And then, you know, it, for, from my experience personally, um, you know, Josh was my only sibling. Um, so it is very much me and my parents at the moment trying to to make sense of this on a on a daily basis um and i think for from all, all three of us you know we we take it in turns almost in 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 our grief one day i might be really struggling um and my mother might be fine the next day my dad might be really struggling and and i'm okay so we're all really having to rally around each other at the moment and and support us because it really does differ um on a day-to-day basis um, and I think the other difference here with with losing somebody to suicide is is actually the anger. You know, um, how could you how could you leave us? How could you let us have to pick up all of the pieces that you've you've left behind and you know deal with your estate and 
you know, all of that kind of stuff that perhaps people don't really think of when they're in that mental health crisis at the time. It's the pain that's left behind, isn't it? Yeah, like, it is. Um, and you go on. Sorry, you let talk. I was just going to say it. You know, it's the amount of phone calls that that I've made in, over the last nine weeks is is just been huge, and I just think. I just think if if Josh perhaps could see what would have to be done, you know, post the incident, would he have done it? Mm. You know, and and that's an answer that I'll never get. But um, it, it's just unraveling the life that that he led, really, um, and just trying to to make sense of it on a on a daily basis. Um, but you know, he was twenty one; he had his whole life ahead of him, and. Uh, you know, and he chose um, a, a way out, basically, of his situation, uh, when in fact there were many ways out of his situation, you know, in this life for him to take. Um, and that's really the heartbreaking thing. It's a, it's a waste, um, you know, and as Kev said, if, if anybody is watching this and feeling like that, there are so many people out there and, and so many mental health resources and, and charities and people that love you mm. that, you know, just want you to stay around and, and give you that reason to, to be here. And it's like, as every show, there's always helplines at the bottom of this. Because I, I beg my pardon, what's what's your name again, sorry? Not Alice. That's all right. That's right, it's Lucas, no worries. It's, it's Lucas, no worries. You, you were his friend, wasn't you? I mean, I mean, it's one thing being a sibling, a blood sibling, but when you're your brother, your mate, your old pal, it's heartbreaking, isn't it? How did it affect you? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I met Alice back when we were at university, and as a sort of side note, we actually hated each other to start off with, which is quite funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, really, sort of, Kev. Major, <laughs> major hatred. I still do I mean, sometimes. Yeah, it depends on the day. But, but <laughs> we were really close, and I met Josh through Alice, and I remember getting the phone call, and it wasn't, it wasn't from Alice, because obviously Alice was in a completely different place. It was from a friend. And I can't even begin to describe how it must feel losing someone closer than what I was with Josh because my stomach sank to the floor. I was speechless. I was angry. Sort of the emotions just flooded. Um, and, I, and again, Alice mentioned that, I mean, I've lost friends in, in a car crash before. I mean, um, and, and that was horrendous. But this just, it, it's just the worst feeling. You, you, I can't even describe it. Um, and, and I think... That is something to really consider. If someone is going through this and, and someone has lost someone, um, I think the amount and the level of support that is around, not just necessarily from sort of the charities and everything else, but friends, family and community, it's, it's actually overwhelming. Um, sort of, I, I mean, I've been trying to support Alice trying to get some traction on this, uh, trying to sort of help her um, manage all sort of the boring tasks that might take take a little bit of time out of her day and that sort of stuff. And I'm not doing it for anything other than I want to support Alice. And, and you're going to have friends like this. If you are listening, and obviously you three gents, you're going to have people supporting you. Um, and I think that's really important to bear in mind, just the, the amazing levels. Oh, especially like, I mean, we were chatting just before we came on live, weren't we? We, we sort of said... Um, before it was a case of in the first lockdown, everyone was doing Zoom meetings and everyone was doing quizzes and everyone had a bit of a good time. And, and it's sort of, sort of taken a bit of a dive, hasn't it, since then? Um, and even having conversations like this sort of break up my week, which is great, so thank you. Um, <laughs> and, and those sort of things just 
it's breaking those little habits and realizing the support if you are struggling, I think is just so vitally important. And um, I think this, the work that Alice is doing has just been outstanding. I've got to give so much praise to her. I didn't want to come on here really just to praise Alice, to be honest, because the amount Thank of you. work she's done is just outstanding I'll, in nine weeks. I'll pay you. I'll pay you later. No, you deserve credit, yeah. though, Alice. You do deserve it because we need more people like yourselves uh, doing this. I mean, I did my mental health first aid course just before the madness. And um, they're saying we've got to start asking the question. And the hardest question we'll probably ever ask is, Craig, are you suicidal? Because we shit at ourselves. Hey, if he says yes, what am I going to do? But hopefully, if he opens up, A, I can try and talk some sense in. But if I can't, say... Here's a phone number, phone up the parents, phone up someone and try and get the community around them. And mm -hmm. ask that, and it will be the most frightening question you'll ever ask. But that question might save that person's life. So don't be frightened of it. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And I, I attended the mental health first aid course actually um, recently as well, because, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make sense of this. I'm, I'm trying to see if there, if there is signs and what it is to look out for, but I think going back to Lucas's point, um, the support that me and my family have received since since this has happened has has actually been quite phenomenal. Um, even even to the extent of you know strangers, to be honest, you know inboxing me on on LinkedIn saying, "Look, you know this is my story. I I know exactly how you feel. I've lost a brother too. Here's my number. Give me a text. Give me a call anytime." Um, I've even I've even met LinkedIn two individuals who have both lost their their sons unfortunately in exactly the same way that that we lost Josh, um, and one of them was a father and one of them was a mother and they've both taken time out of their their days to, to actually speak and have conversations with my mum and my dad respectively, you know because it, it goes back to what we said earlier, Ken, you know it's. It's really, it's really hard to comprehend what it actually feels like to lose somebody by suicide unless it's actually happened to you. Um, and as a result, you know, they were able to provide that different perspective for my parents. Um, that was exactly the same as them. You know, they've been through exactly what we're going through. Um, and I think that's been really, really beneficial. But the, the outpouring of support, not just for Ripple, but for, for me and my family, you know, personally has, has just been unbelievable. So, you know, if there is any anybody watching um, that that has done that, um, to, and you know, right now, so I just wanted to say thank you, really, as well. I mean, it's, I think what I heard off the both of you, and when I've had friends who have um, completed suicide, as you say, it's the anger. Like, if if you'd have been run over, you could hate the driver because you've got someone to hate who could help you hate the illness. But when you've got nothing to hate and you don't want to hate that person you've lost because you love them so much, the hate just goes inwards then, doesn't it? Yeah, mm. completely. Um, and it's it's just complete disbelief that they felt that that was the only choice at the time, I think, as well. Um, and it's, you know, the anger that, you know, why didn't you come to us? Why didn't you speak to us? And then you start questioning yourself and you've got the whole guilt aspect of this as well, which is, you know, what could I have done differently? If I'd have done this, would, would it be a different outcome? And, and you just don't know the answer to that. Um, so I, there's, there's a, a definitely a personal element of guilt here, but there's also a, a huge amount of anger. Um, and, you know, you can probably tell from 
from my my kind of tone now that that's still very much you know bubbling up inside of me and I haven't accepted that yet at all um, and I don't think I'm going to accept that for for a long while. Have you gone to see anyone about it, a grief counsellor or a hypnotherapist? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got um, we've got counselling that that me and my parents are both doing, um, you know, separately. And uh, and I'm also actually this week on Thursday going to my first um, group bereavement by suicide session. It's run by uh, survivors of bereavement by suicide, so it's SOBS. Uh, they're a fantastic charity. Um, unfortunately, we can't meet in person at the moment because of, of COVID, but they're doing a Zoom meeting. Um, and it's really a, a bit of a safe space for friends, family uh, who have unfortunately lost somebody to suicide to just get together and have uh, a bit of an open forum, really, around our feelings. Um, so it's my first one on Thursday. Um, I'm a bit apprehensive about it. I don't really know what, what to expect. And I think it will probably be a bit more of a, a listening exercise for me, to be honest, in my first time. Um, but I'm hoping that might give me a little bit more understanding, really, of, of what's happened and, and how people have dealt with with this situation. Um, because, you know, I have to keep reminding myself it's only nine weeks. Yeah, and you know, on the bottom of my heart, how brave you are after nine weeks, you know, to come on here and talk so raw and honest. It, it honestly, from the bottom of my heart, what courage and bravery. And you sound like a wonderful family that's standing there by each other. So may your journey carry on. Leave you got any questions, bro? Uh, we've just got some nice comments that, uh, that are coming in. No, no direct questions, Kev. But um, yeah, it, you are really brave, both of you. You know, it's um, it's hard enough to talk about, let alone on camera, I can imagine. Um, and I can relate to some things you said in terms of uh, there's people who contact you who've been through the same situation. Uh, my youngest is disabled and... Um, some of my favourite guests who come onto this podcast are people in that same situation because you can relate to them uh, and it really does help opening up. Yeah, it does, absolutely. Yeah, I think massively the opening up thing, is it, it, it's easy. I know you might see quite a lot of, um, like, sort of your memes and your, your Instagram posts of just send that text to someone. But if you know someone who is struggling, it, it does brighten up their world just to sort of have someone checking in on them. And it takes five seconds out of your day to go, hello, mate, hey, how's it going? And and it can really, really change someone's mindset. Um, and, and I think that sort of mindset piece is, is really, really important. And if someone, I think if you're feeling slightly down or, or depressed or low or anxious, you can take small steps. Um, and if you've really got to get into that mindset of trying to, to help yourself and to help others and that sort of stuff, because sort of speaking slightly personally, I was in a real bad rut at the end of last year. And, and this year I said to myself, right, I'm going to lose some weight and I'm going to go back to my old habits of waking up where I used to. And all of a sudden I'm in such a positive mindset. I'm helping Alice. I'm doing better at work. I feel more generally positive. And it was just a case of going for a walk every morning and getting up a little bit earlier. And that's literally it. It's amazing what it can do. Um, and I've had friends text me saying, how are you doing? It's like, oh, lovely. You're thinking about me. Uh, and I think if you can text someone and make their day, it can make a whole world of difference, especially when we're talking about suicide as well, right? If they're having that day where they're really thinking about, right, I can't go on any further, and, they, and you get a text pop up just to sort of say, oh, no, I'm just focusing on what are you doing. It completely change, it can change that mindset. And I think that is going to be something really, really important that I do going forward, especially after what happened with Josh, is making sure I'm checking on people who I know 
could be struggling, people who are isolated, people who have had mental health issues in the past and that sort of stuff. And I think that's quite an important thing to sort of bear in mind when we are talking about sort of suicide prevention, obviously just general mental well-being as well. I think having that sort of support network is so vitally important. And if it relates to you personally, even better. I think um, I think your point on, on exercise is is really crucial and actually you know i'm in your boat lucas i i also need to um stop eating the pies and uh and go out on a walk every morning as well but you know it's easier said than done sometimes when you're when you're in such um such a state of grief and there's been you know numerous days over the last nine weeks where you know my my parents have said you know not not in a in a horrible way but you know al you need to get out you need to go you need to go for a walk you need to get out because it is very easy, unfortunately, to cocoon yourself in into into a room and, and not really want to actually get out at all. Um, and there's been many, many days over the last nine weeks where I've I felt like that. Um, and actually, yesterday, yesterday for me was was one of those. So um, I think it's important, and I think it, it does help, and uh, it's something that I'm I'm trying to include as part of my day going forward and uh, and if I can lose a few pounds uh, at the same time then it's a win-win isn't it I always call depression the dark room because it's all right if you just nip in and nip out but when you're in there you find out beyond that dark door it's actually amazing as long as you're in there you twist and you turn and it's bloody hard to get out so if you it have is. got that that lifeline that that beacon of love to shine to help someone get out and that could be by phone call or I know it's difficult, we can't go knocking on each other's doors now for a cuppa or a beer. We just make contact, be it a text message, a phone call, or whatever you kids do, and just reach out and let people know you are there. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I, I love that analogy. That's I never really thought about it like that. That's, that's an amazing analogy. I think that's like so true. Like you, I agree, Alice, if you don't want to do it, you won't do it. But if you can help, then if someone can help someone else, then I think that's so, so important. Yeah, Sorry. and I think that's Sorry. obviously the whole essence is in terms of, um, you know, why I'm doing Ripple, because not only do am I kind of, ch- you know, channeling grief, to be honest, into this, um, but I just can't bear the thought of another sister or another set of parents having to go through what, what we are currently living. Um, and if there's anything that... I, I can do, you know, as part of Ripple, I've, I've said this to many of the, the charities that I've spoken to over the last few weeks, but, you know, we're a non-for-profit. The, my profit really will be when somebody emails me or calls me and says, look, I conducted a search like this and wanted to take my own life. Your tool came up and I got the mental health support that I needed. And, and that for me is, is my profit, really. Um, because, you know, as I said, this really is a, a living nightmare at the moment that we're in. And if I can stop any other families having to feel that, um, then I will. Um, so that really is is the kind of whole essence of, of Ripple. And if anyone would like to get in touch with you, I know we're scrolling at the bottom of the screen, but would you like to tell me about it and get in touch with you? Yeah, of course. So um, we're on all social media um, run by uh, run by Lucas uh, on the call as well. So we're on Facebook, obviously, uh, Ripple Suicide Prevention. 
Um, we're on Twitter under Ripple Tools and we're on Instagram under Ripple Suicide Prevention as well. Uh, our website, hopefully you can see on the screen, but it's www.ripplesuicideprevention.com. Uh, or you can speak to me on LinkedIn as well, um, Alice Bendy. And, and I, you know, I'd be really happy to, to speak to anybody, um, not only about Ripple, but also, you know, any experiences that they might have, any tips or advice uh, for me to, to kind of get through this um, as well would be, would be great. Craig, is there any questions you'd like to ask? Uh, not really questions. I think it's just, you know, listening to, to what you guys have been saying and that. I think we just need to, as a as a race, just re-engage uh, empathy a little bit more. And instead of being passively involved with someone, I mean, I've, I've had it before where I've been in, in the funk a little bit and uh, I've been in the fog and I've messaged somebody or they've messaged me, how are you doing? And I've and I've replied thinking, you know what I mean. I'll have a conversation, and I've 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 sort of briefly said what I'm feeling, and they've sort of brushed over it and and hop conversation, and either that's because they're only passively, you know, messaging me or, or passively listening to me, or whether they just don't understand how to do it. And I think if we can learn how to communicate, which is the key, is not only listen but know how to ask, listen, and then respond you know, just them three steps that, that could make a world of difference. And I think you only get that by engaging in empathy with other human beings and an interaction other than, oh, message me, oh, hit me on Facebook, tag me in it and this and the other. I think we actually need to say, if I'm asking how they am, actively listen and respond accordingly. I may not have the answers, but I will say something to you that makes you aware of listen to you. Well, what's that saying, Craig? Just because you're hearing it doesn't mean you're listening to it. Exactly. I mean, I'll re again, like a walking quote, I read something the once and it was, um, it was, it's amazing how much we see, yet how little we notice. And that was born by, you know, how many times you walk down the street and you say, how, how long has that post box been there? And someone said, well, it's been there the last 15 years and you've only just noticed it. And, I believe that's the same with with your hearing, you know, how much we see it, how little we notice. Yeah, and I and I think also if you are asked if you're if, I think, you know, particularly being British, we just say, Yeah, you know, not too bad. Not too bad. <laughs> well, you know, actually there are many days where uh, actually it is bad and actually you're not okay. And I think I think more people now need to say, you know, when they're asked. Actually, no, I'm struggling today. I'm having a bad one. And then go on to, you know, have that discussion and, and talk about it. I think too often we just almost fob it off and say, yeah, we're fine. You know, all, all is okay. All's, all's, all's good. And it doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you weak to be in pain. It doesn't make you weak to be scared. It doesn't make you weak to have panic attacks. You're just a human being. Whether you're a six foot four brick shit house or whether you're a little dolly, we're made from the same stuff. We all get frightened. We all get down. So I think more we can talk about it honestly, hopefully we can beat this. I think, Kev, if, if you don't mind me stepping in there, I think it is, like you say, honestly, it's not got to be overly thought out. It's not got to be, you've not got to be textbook trained. You've not got to be any of that. I mean, how many times do you see in the movies or if you heard your granddad say or your dad's, you know, if they felt down, they've been in a pub. I know it's not, you can't go in them now. But you've been in the pub and how are you doing? Oh, feel a bit cack. And then and they get into it. And then they spend the next hour, two hours, putting the world to rights, really unloading. Now, 
either one of them hasn't got any premeditative training. The va- they haven't like I know how to deal with this because it's on page sixteen of the mental health manual. They've just engaged in conversation as human beings, and that empathy has prevailed again. So it's not going to be if I ask that I'm not trained to deal with it because if you're if you're a human being and you feel emotion, you're capable of of expressing empathy. You can help. It does. You don't have to be. You don't have to have a doctorate in anything to to help Lee, people through listening. Lee, do you want to jump in with that? Because you said it's been brilliant the other day. What's that? Oh, yeah. You don't have to be. I can't well remember what I said now, Kev. You always say this, and yeah, put me right on the spot there. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't. You don't have to be trained, but we're experienced, and I think that's the key, isn't it? And everyone is. Yeah, you don't have to be an expert. We've just got experience. We haven't got PhDs. We haven't got anything. But we just know how it feels to feel shit. And we're not here to sell you five ways of overcoming anxiety. That's bollocks. We're here to help each other to listen to each other. If I had the answers, I'd bloody give them. But I can only tell you what's helped me. And as one of the quotes from the podcast is, you've got to find your medicine, be it in counselling, be it going having a rattle, hitting a therapy, whatever it is. You'll know the best way. And if you've tried doing it for so long and it's not working, never be frightened of doing something else. Yeah, I think that trying something else thing, I think if, you, if you're in that mindset of you, you want to feel better and all the rest of it, I think try something that may not have worked for you in the past or even talk to your mates. Organise that Zoom call and just sit down for 10 minutes and have a pint or whatever. And I think that that is obviously going to sort of help especially us British lot with the pub not being open and all that sort of stuff I mean I miss the pub very dearly and <laughs> it is a, it is a place where you can have that chat and I think we need to sort of start to open that back up again whether it be a Zoom call or a FaceTime with your mate or whatever um, like me and Alice had a little drink on Saturday night I had a curry she had a pizza it was lovely and we had a little sit down we had a chat we were getting ready for this and yeah it was lovely I mean it's, we all of a sudden, we looked at the time. It was it about an hour and a half, I think. Which yeah, we had an hour and a half. Day. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was, and it does. It does cheer you up. It does cheer you up. I think the beers helped. Yeah, it does. <laughs> In the wise words of Homer Simpson, beer it is the cause and solution of all life's problems. <laughs> <laughs> There's, you should have kept that one for the end. <laughs> yes, I'm you should have kept stone. that one for the end. Yeah, you should have. <laughs> I think there's um you know there's like the psychology behind things behind feeling better as well is you know suggestive thinking we all know suggestive thinking is a proven thing if I if I keep mentioning elephant all throughout the day and then I ask you to name an animal on the night the odds are you're going to name ele- elephant because you've you've got a suggestive thinking behind it and I think even if it isn't helplines and stuff like that if you've got like preventative prompts to prompt them into a better mind state it's it's an added bonus you know that it doesn't require much manpower after the fact once it's been created because you you play on the role of suggestive thinking and all that people may dismiss as really insignificant but i believe that 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 would be a key to 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 people having a a better mind frame well i often talk about an earworm you know, you know, that song that keeps going over and over in your head. And a, and a lot of the times we're in a funk, we're listening to that song that we know gets us down. But what we've got to realise is with the, with the DJ of our own mind, to change the record, start listening to Monty Python's Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. Or when you know she's going down that rabbit hole, change the record, you know, and 
if you if you know Facebook's getting you down or Instagram or extenders, whatever it's getting you down, change the channel, change the record. Because that might just be a little thing, simple way of getting you onto the right path. But guys, thank you so much for coming on today. We're gonna we're gonna put you on a lot of our built um whatever they're called, signpostings <laughs> and uh and uh, try and advertise the hell out of you because you know what you guys are doing is remarkable. And to have Thanks, so guys. much charity have so much tragedy and so much strength is remarkable. So God bless you both. Thank you very much for, for having us, guys. Appreciate it. Well, before yeah, we finish so on a, before we finish on a quote, <laughs> I'm going to advertise Thursday. So have a think. You're lucky I'll give you notice. <laughs> <laughs> so as always, uh, on Thursday, we're going to just have a chat. Us and our lads just chewing the fat, putting the world to rights. As you all know, we come up with the topic minutes before we come on air. But if there is anything in particular you'd like us to talk about, please be a part of the conversation. I know you mainly write it on Thursdays, but please write in, be a part of the conversation. Be the fourth, fifth, sixth person in the room. Your input's what makes the show. And if you do miss, um, if you do miss the shows, you can always find us on our YouTube channel and on all podcast platforms. If you have got the time, can you please leave a review on Apple Music? Helps us to climb the charts. Now that plug's over. Have you got any quotes or sayings that helped you get through life? Okay, so thanks to um, thanks to Google, I've got one, uh, and I did actually post this the other day on uh, on the Ripple Facebook page. But it's stars can't shine without darkness. Like so until we so until we see each other next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Tararabit. Listen, listen. And that's a wrap for another show. But if there are any comments or messages that you would like us to read out for our next podcast, please be in touch. There are also lots of different organisations at the bottom of this page and hopefully they can help you or someone you care about. Please share this to spread the word. Until we talk next time, ta a bit. Listen, listen, listen.